0: You know, during tough times, people like to turn to different things for relaxation, for peace of mind, and for inspiration. Personally, I like to turn to music. So I opened my music library, and I found a lyric from a singer-songwriter named Marshall Mathers. He once said, you better lose yourself in the music the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. It's like he was speaking directly to me. He was saying, Dave, this is a time for great opportunity. Sure, it might be a hard time, but did you know some of the most successful and wealthiest people built their empires and their fortunes during the toughest economic times in history? I'm sitting here right now, looking outside the window, and I see buildings, I see roads, a public bench, I see cars, I see condos. Do you know what all of those things need? Insurance. I can also see a bridge, and on that bridge, what I can see in the distance is an American flag waving in the wind. Well, all my life, I've thought that America is the land of opportunity, and while what's going on right now in the business world might be tough for some of you, Well, you're looking at it all wrong, because all I see is opportunity. So let's do this. Hit it, Johnny. Welcome to the Ultimate Insurance Agency Podcast. Planet of the Agents. Planet of the Agents where we give you the real scoop on being an insurance agent and running an agency. This show is all about helping you focus on earning more money as an agent and building your own insurance empire. Empire. Here's your industry-leading host who has generated tens of thousands of insurance leads. This is Dave Baker. Welcome, 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 everybody, to The Big Show. I'm your host, Dave Baker, and I am ecstatic to have all of you here with me. We hit a record number of downloads on the podcast, and I want to thank all of you for continuing to listen to the show. You know, I started this podcast because I wanted to help other agents. About 10 years ago, possibly more, I don't want to date myself too much, One of my marketing reps came to my office and she saw the systems that I had built for sales and the strategies, as well as the scripts and other templates I was using. And she asked me, why on earth are you working in sales? And I said, what do you mean? She said, that's not your calling. Your calling is to be teaching people these systems and how to do this and how to make their agencies grow and retain customers. Recently... I received a message from one of our listeners that said something similar, and it really touched my heart, and it made me think about something. I used to wonder why there were all these people out there who had courses and other forms of training, and I used to think to myself, well, if you know how to do this so well, why don't you just run your own business, or why don't you just do the thing you're teaching people to do? but I realized it's a passion for some people. Some people like to train and help other people with their businesses or other aspects of their life. And for the first time, I really get it. So to that end, I have launched the Planet of the Agents Club. And you can join now on the website at planetoftheagents.com. Just click the large yellow button and you'll get access to my insurance blog in which I place some ideas I'll also have a membership portal in there where you'll get access to scripts that I like to use for cross-selling and other ideas that I use for retention, as well as different documents that I've put together showing some of my talking points and other things that I use frequently in my business. Now, enough about that. Let's get into what's going on in the world today. So some people are already telling me they're concerned about hard times. And they might be here, but they might not be. But remember one thing, hard times create strong men and women. Now, for everyone out there, whether you're an agency owner or working on commission somewhere, you are a business owner in some sense. If you work on commission, you choose to be rewarded based on your personal achievements and performance, not based on the number of hours that you work. You're not sitting at a desk or on the phone trading your time for money. You're trading your skills and you're being compensated based on how well you perform. And personally, that's my favorite type of position to work in. So you should always be working on growing your business and always doing the best job that you can do. In fact, that portion of the statement applies to everybody, no matter what you do. Whether you are a CSR, someone's personal assistant, an account manager, or an account executive, or any other role in a company, you should always do the best job that you can do. Something I learned from my father was that you should always be learning, and you should always be improving yourself. Just the other day, I opened a policy on my computer, and it was 190 pages long. It opened on page one, and I looked up there on the screen, and it said, 190 pages. You're on page one. So I said to myself, well, only 189 more pages to go until you've read every form on this policy. I read most of the forms before, but I wanted to do it again to refresh myself, and I learned some new items just by reading new policy documents. Was it exhilarating? Actually, yeah, I enjoyed it. Now look. There are challenges coming, so let's conquer them. Of course, we don't know what's actually coming because the news is changing frequently with everything going on in the world, but America might be getting back to work soon. People might be going back to their offices or retail businesses soon. It's still in limbo. On the other side of the coin, we might all be stuck working from home for an extended period of time, and we're going to have to adapt just like in any other situation or any other economic issue. I feel like when I talk to people, everyone's always focused on growth. And while I do somewhat get that mentality, right now, I think it's key to focus on retention, meaning keeping your customers on the books. Today, we're going to focus on retention. But at the same time, we prepare for tomorrow and when the time comes again for growth. Soon, we will return to a focus on growth, but at the same time, we need to balance that with a decent amount of retaining the customers, keeping them on the books, and not losing income that you worked hard to already establish. In fact, on a side note, it's important not to focus solely 100% on growth unless that's the stage where you are in your business, where you're really just starting out. When you have a decent-sized book of business or a good amount of customers, it is very important to retain them. I imagine that a lot of you got into the insurance business for the magic word, it's called residuals, or recurring revenue. In fact, I see a lot of young people on Instagram talk about MRR, monthly recurring revenue. Well, most of us have been focused on that for a very long time. Now, let's talk about the two sides of the industry, personal lines and commercial lines. First. Today, I want to talk about personal lines and how this could affect you. Do you know what's happening right now with people sitting at home, ordering groceries on the internet, doing things online they've never done before? Personally speaking, I never thought of ordering fresh food online and having it delivered to my house. I like to go to the market, I like to pick the products that I buy. It's enjoyable course, we order some things here and there online, but not usually certain foods and fresh items where I feel they require a personal selection. But what's happening right now is that people are being conditioned and trained to do more business online than ever, and more online than they could ever have even imagined. So they're being told that they need to stay home, or stay in a certain area, or shelter in place, or whatever term you want to use, and not go to their local business, not walk in, and not meet with people and be close to people, which is obviously very useful in this social distancing situation that we're living in right now. So in the internet era, I've always felt that personal lines will be the first thing that really moves onto the internet, and where direct writers and other people, such as insure tech companies And those who've developed a quality piece of technology or an easy-to-use piece of technology are really going to take over. Now, is this going to happen tomorrow or in one year? No. Have there been companies selling insurance on the internet for many years? Of course there have. There have also been companies selling travel on the internet probably for 25 or more years. Yet I still see a travel agency not that far from where I go to work. Or where I used to go to work every day. So there's a role for everybody, but you have to be realistic about what might be coming. And with what's going on with the virus and people staying home, it's advancing the progress of what is inevitably going to happen, which is that more and more people are going to buy insurance on the internet. And of course, that includes buying insurance by phone. Now, a lot of the agents that I talk to, still have retail locations, and by retail I mean a storefront in a strip mall, not in an office type of location or similar environment. They still have a sign posted outside. In fact, uh, recently one gentleman mentioned that he had a sign spinner who would stand on the corner and spin the sign, encouraging people to come into the agency. That might actually be a tougher job than working in insurance, but we'll look at that another time. Now, look. I miss the days of personal meetings. I'm a people person. I guess you could say I'm an extrovert and social. But what I learned from meeting with customers in person, seeing that I was selling smaller accounts at the time and personal lines, was that I just don't make enough per sale for that to happen. I remember a time when I wasn't even waiting for people to come into my office. There was a time when a couple asked me if I could meet them at a local cafe. And if I could talk about their insurance needs and what they really meant was their home and auto insurance. So I said, of course, I was so excited. They wanted to talk to me and they wanted to hopefully learn something from me. And it was a great opportunity for me to make a sale and form a relationship with a new customer. So I went down there and the meeting probably took two hours. By the end of the meeting, they had agreed to purchase a home and an auto policy. I had suggested an umbrella policy, but they didn't want to take that. So after everything was done, I had to return to my office, which took another 15 to 20 minutes. So when you add all that up, the drive time plus the meeting time, you're looking at approximately three hours. Then I had to, of course, process the documentation. I had pre-printed some applications with the quotes that I brought. So at the time, they were happy to sign it. We weren't really using e-signatures back then. And then I said, wow, great, I got a new package policy I'm sure the carrier was happy because I was trying to hit a certain goal at the time. I was happy because I was achieving this goal. But then, eventually, I said, wait a minute. I just spent three hours with these people. What was the total commission that I earned on this? And I believe it was something like $80. Well, let's look at that in today's numbers. The commission I would have earned today actually could be less, but we'll use $80. Or let's round down to $75 for this example. So I earned $75 doing three hours' worth of work. And I think to myself right now, well, how much does somebody that works in the warehouse at Amazon make? Or how much does a barista make at a coffee shop? So I did a quick search, and I actually see that some of them make $15 an hour. In fact, they say that if you work there, you could be eligible to make more. Some of them offer benefits. In fact, uh, one major coffee chain offers to pay for a significant amount of your education. So basically, when I think about it, I was barely compensated any more than a barista. And that really hit me. And that is when I started to change my business model. Now today, as I mentioned, a lot of people that I know, they still have walk-in type of agencies or retail storefronts. Some of them are focused on making fees from collecting payments and changing addresses and things like that. And I understand that is a business model. In fact, I recall at an insurance convention, there were some people who were telling me that's almost their entire business model. Their whole model is making the fees. Now, I'm not commenting on that. I don't have an opinion one way or another. I'm just saying that as people start to be trained to do more from home and to communicate more with electronic methods and even still the telephone, I'm just saying that you might need to look at a different way to make money. Now, depending on what state you're located in, you might not have heard of things like this. You might not have fees as a factor in your income at all, or in some states you might only charge fees on commercial business or surplus lines or hard-to-place business. There are some states where fees are allowed on auto insurance and personal lines, and some where they are not. So obviously this doesn't apply to you if you are in the business where you cannot charge fees. But then that leads to another question I have to ask. Do you constantly have people walking into your business to do things like make payments and make address updates and other changes to their policies, and you can't charge them any sort of fee? Well, then are you even getting paid for your service? Now, some people will tell me, well, I got a commission when I sold the policy, so that's just part of the deal. Sure, that's one way to look at it, but what if you could eliminate that cost from your business? I mean... Are you sitting around at a desk or are you paying other people, which can even be more painful for some of us, to sit there and have someone bring in a check and type it in the computer? What are you, a bank teller? No. You're a licensed insurance professional and you should treat yourself like that. You should remember how hard it was for you to pass this exam and to study for it and all of the knowledge that you've gained over your time in insurance. Is your time best spent doing these procedures? Personally, I don't want to do that. And I don't think it's a good use of my time or my knowledge. So I asked the people that brought this to my attention. They were concerned, obviously, because they could not accept payments in the office. Therefore, obviously, they would not be getting the fees, but also they might lose a customer. So I asked the people that were discussing this with me, How long does it take you or someone who works for you that you're paying, possibly by the hour, to take one of these payments? And they said, oh, it just takes five minutes. It's no big deal. Really? That's kind of like when you ask someone how far something is, and they go, oh, it's just 20 minutes away. So I look at my phone and it says, yeah, sure, it's 20 minutes at four in the morning, but with traffic, that's going to be about an hour. So the way I see it is it might take 15 to 20 minutes for you or one of your staff to do something like take a payment or make an endorsement literally in the office with the customer while they're sitting there. Then I want to add another five to seven minutes to mentally return to the prior task, which, keep in mind, probably still isn't completed because someone just came in and took their attention away. Now, I see the non-standard auto market being the most affected by potential changes due to the service-heavy nature of that side of the business, But something to remember is that non-standard carriers, much like many other carriers, usually have EFT or ACH or credit card options or another form of automatic payment option that you could introduce your customer to. Most of them offer websites and phone numbers where people can pay as well. Now, if you don't know the details for your carrier, you should contact your marketing rep or someone at the company and just get that information. I think you'll be surprised how many people are willing to switch to this type of payment. Now, if you've been doing the same thing for 40 years or 20 years or however many years, I understand that it's going to be a little difficult for you and your staff to switch to this model. But keep in mind that it's a significantly more efficient way to do business. Next, if you are running a non-standard shop, especially focused on non-standard auto, such as DUI business, or in some states it's going to be people who have poor credit or elapsing coverage, don't forget that non-standard clients also give you preferred opportunities. They might own a home or a condo, or at the least rent an apartment. They might also own a motorcycle. These are things that are going to give you an opportunity for a cross-sale, meaning that you can sell them another line of coverage for another vehicle or their home or property. In fact, don't forget rental properties. Those are really important as well. By doing this, of course, statistics have shown that a customer is more likely to be retained when you have multiple lines for them. In fact, let's think bigger, okay? They might have a commercial auto. Why don't you take a moment the next time you're reviewing your customer's policies and bring these things up to them? You can always ask a simple question like, hey, do you have any other vehicles that you don't have insured with us? We'd love to help you. Are you a homeowner or do you live in an apartment? Let me show you the value of renter's insurance. Did you catch that? Let me show you the value. Don't bring up the price first. That is not relevant. In this world, we live in a world where people are obsessed with price shopping especially in insurance, which has largely in personal lines become a commodity where the price is everything. So it's important to show people the value. We're going to address that in much more depth on a different episode. Now, you have to keep branching out. It's like a tree. Let's say, for example, the customer says, well, I do have a a vehicle I use for business. I have it insured with another agent or some company on the internet. Okay, well, Then that leads to the next question. Oh, what do you use it for? And they might say, well, I'm a contractor. And I I would say to that, oh, so do you have general liability insurance? And so on and so on. And that is how you can create a customer that is a multi-line customer. And you're also getting to know the customer better. And you might be increasing your retention while also adding additional revenue through the sale of another policy. Another thing to note, is that many auto carriers, both non-standard and preferred, offer at a minimum renter's insurance, which could generate two things. One, you're getting an additional policy. And two, you're also going to earn them a multi-policy discount. So they will be happy. I've noticed lately that there are some non-standard carriers that are offering renter's insurance, and I find that pretty exciting. If you live in a state that has something called a responsible resident discount, That might also include something where the customer has a renter's insurance policy, and then you could inform the auto insurance company, which would, again, uh, give them a discount. Lastly, don't forget that there are some companies that give a discount for having multiple policies just with your agency. Let's say, for example, there is a customer who has a mobile home policy, and the company that writes mobile homes perhaps does not offer... Auto insurance or some other type of insurance that you could package together. There might be a question on the application or there might be a question somewhere in their system that asks, Do they have another policy with your agency? And if they do, that could get them a discount as well. So who's going to be happy with this? You and the customer. Everybody wins. The next thing I've been thinking about lately with everyone talking about sitting at home all day is. Home-based businesses. Sometimes people will ask me, can you think of anything I could do from home? And I can think of a million things you could do from home. Well, not literally. Let's uh, let's start with uh, 50 things you could do from home to make money. Some of those types of things are not working for other people. Some of them involve starting your own business. Therefore, here comes more opportunity. First, do you write their homeowners? Ask yourself, Will something need to be updated? And can you write a home business policy or some form of home based business coverage on the homeowner's policy? Or would it be a better option to write a home business policy, which might provide much broader coverage than an endorsement on the homeowner's policy? Again, the point here is there's another opportunity to help them with an additional policy. Now, if this person's entrepreneurial, who knows? Their business might grow. One day they might need a commercial auto. Hopefully one day they'll rent a space and you'll be able to help them with a liability and property policy or a business owner's policy of some sort. It's like planting a seed. When you start a business, you're planting your first seed, and you hope that it sprouts and grows into something bigger, and you want to be there to grow with them. Speaking of growing, I've actually recently heard people talking about growing their own vegetables, and that made me think, well... How can that be connected to insurance? Oh, there's the hobby farm endorsement that is found on many homeowners' policies. It's often an optional coverage, and you might not be familiar with it depending on the types of clients that you have and, of course, where you live, but that might be something to look into. In fact, it's also a way to speak to a customer about a new potential opportunity. I've actually mentioned to people that I tried to grow my own vegetables in the past, albeit indoors in a small micro greenhouse type of thing that was about a foot long. But people have said, oh, I'm growing 400 tomatoes in my backyard. And I thought to myself, well, what are you doing with those tomatoes? And I think the person said something like, oh, I take them to the fair and I sell them like at a swap meet or carnivals or other types of festivals. Well, immediately I said, do you have general liability insurance? And they said, no, but someone at the festival said I need some kind of thing. And he didn't really know what it was. And that turned into me getting a new uh, client at the time who needed general liability insurance. And he was ecstatic. It also strengthened our relationship because now we were doing multiple lines of business together. The next thing I want to talk about is commercial lines. So commercial lines are often done a bit differently. If you've never written commercial before, it's something you really want to be thinking about, as I mentioned earlier. Now, first, I do want to address the issue of payments because the number of people that I hear about getting canceled due to non-payment is shocking. When I tell my other friends who are either entrepreneurs or what I like to just generally refer to as business people, they cannot believe how many people get canceled due to non-payment, meaning someone just didn't pay their bill. Obviously, there are extenuating circumstances from time to time, especially with what's going on now, which is why many of the companies in the industry are implementing some more lenient rules during this tough time for some businesses. But if a customer is canceled due to non-payment and it could have been avoided by simply having them go on a form of automatic payment with your carrier, then isn't that really your fault? So remember that a lot of admitted carriers are going to have many methods of automatic payment. Some of them have enhanced their web pages, which is great. So they're sending reminders. They're giving customers options where they can choose the day when they want to make a payment. Now, if you're dealing in surplus lines and you're selling specialty business where the carrier does not offer any form of uh, automatic payment or any form of payment collection at all, you want to ask your finance company if they offer some form of EFT or other form of automatic payment. Of course, If this is new to you, it's important that you pay attention to the fees so that you can let the customers know about the fees. It wouldn't hurt to ask the finance company or other company you're working with for a list of the fees that may apply, and hopefully they're on the sheet that the customer has to sign with their relevant uh, account information. Next, some of your commercial clients might be concerned about a slowdown in their revenue, and they might be concerned about not being able to make their payments on their current premiums. This is a logical result of what's going on right now, especially with so many businesses being closed at the moment or having to transition to a different business model. So one thing you can do to assist them if they call, and hopefully they don't call about canceling, but rather call about updating their policy in a way that will help reduce their payments, is you can work with the carrier to see if there is an opportunity to have their policy re-rated or to make updates to their sales. Obviously, this depends on the rating factor. The rating factor, in simple terms, means the item by which the insurance is priced. So if the insurance premium is based on gross sales, then now might be in time to work with a carrier and see if they can make an adjustment to their gross sales, for example, If they originally estimated $1 million based on last year's business, and this year they think they'll only have $400,000 worth of sales, you could go to the carrier and see if they'll make an adjustment. Many policy premiums are also based on payroll. A lot of general liability policies are based on the payroll to employees and or subcontractors, as well as workers' compensation insurance. Now, some of the policies are auditable, which means that at the end of the year, the carrier can ask exactly how much was paid, and they'll adjust the premium at the time. But in this situation, some people may need to make an adjustment immediately to lower their premiums that are due in the coming months. You'll want to make sure to also consider the future audit and remind the customer as well. For example, if someone says, well, my payroll is only going to be 100000 this year, and last year it was 400000 you might want to remind them that even if you make the change, there may still be an audit at the end of the year, depending on the type of policy, and they can just pay the difference later. If you're dealing with a worker's comp customer, hopefully you have them on some sort of pay-as-you-go system. These types of systems have different names with different carriers, like uh, Pay or Pay-as-you-go, or Payroll Reporting. That would mean that Instead of making an estimate of what their payroll would be, it's linked to their payroll company, and they only pay for the workers' comp insurance the amount of premium that's due for the actual payroll that they had. It's actually a really great system that I have found, unfortunately, only some customers are willing to use. Part of that might be because there are new payroll systems out that are not well integrated with the carriers yet, but that doesn't mean it's not coming in the future. If you're not familiar with some sort of payroll reporting or pay-as-you-go system for workers' comp insurance, you should ask the carrier what they have available. It might only be available at renewal, but check with them. It doesn't hurt to ask. Now, let's review today's takeaways. First, right now, I'm focusing on retention and not focusing purely on growth and getting new customers. Next, let's think about looking to the future. Start thinking about how recent events may change your business. First, ask yourself, does your model currently depend on walk-in business and also specific fees coming from the walk-in business? What percentage of your revenue is made up by that? What would happen if customers really no longer came into your business anymore? Of course, it's always important to understand from where your revenue comes. I like to look at my book of business and my different streams of revenue and determine which ones have the biggest effect on my book and my income. Next, in personal lines, when this is over, here's a question to ask yourself as well. Will people be driving less because now there's a strong work from home movement? One thing that concerns me right now is that a lot of people who never have the opportunity to work at home are now doing just that and they might not want to drive to work anymore. Let's say hypothetically that this goes on for a few months. Well, what could happen is after the quarantine type of situation that we're in is over, people might say to their boss, well, I did a great job at home. Why do I need to come to an office anymore? Personally, I love being around other people and it gives me a certain energy to be around the team and to work with people, but that's not for everybody. And a lot of younger people really have this passion for working from home. In fact, it actually doesn't matter what age you are. A lot of people simply just don't want to go to an office anymore, especially if they have a long commute. I think a lot of that started with the tech companies and their business structure, which is much different than a traditional insurance agent. Next, in commercial lines, a few things to consider are, will people be starting home-based businesses? Is there an opportunity there? Right now, I'm asking myself why there have to be four S's in the word business, but that's a whole other topic. Additionally, one thing I wanted to mention is how is your staff, if you have one, communicating and still feeling a sense of teamwork while being apart? I think with modern technology, there is great opportunity for all of us to communicate with a team. Many of the most successful new companies actually run on something called distributed teams. And that means that their team members are located all over the world, perhaps. So with chat software or with some of the really easy-to-use video conferencing software, you can still have team meetings, you can see each other's faces, and really remember who you are. Because there's always that little problem called out-of-sight, out-of-mind. And I think it's important to still have a human connection with everybody. Lastly, I just wanted to remind everyone to please join the club. You can find it on planetoftheagents.com, and I'm going to share in the club for the members some of the niches that I'm looking at. I've also recently added, due to the current situation, some of my own work-from-home tips. I've never loved working from home, but I've certainly done it many times, and I'd actually say I have a pretty great setup at home that keeps me motivated, and it makes me feel like I'm still in a business environment. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show please remember to send me your comments, your suggestions, your ideas, and your questions to dave at planetoftheagents.com. That's d-a-v-e or dave at planetoftheagents.com. I'm going to have to change up this week's outro a little bit. So for now, keep retaining those customers. Keep everyone on the books. Cross-sell. Remember, great opportunity is all around us. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to Planet of the Agents. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And head over to our website at planetoftheagents.com to sign up for our newsletter and get even more information on how to grow your insurance agency.